Lord, thank you for your love and for your grace. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the word that was shared. Thank you for each other. And as we take these few moments to look into your word, I pray that you will speak to our hearts. Only you can do it. And we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a question I got for you. Why do we go to church? Or why do we have church, as some would say? Why do we do church? And then the, the big um, new cliche is let's be to the church. Okay, that's great. Why do we do this? I mean, just think about it for a moment. Why do you come here? I remember when I got saved. Well, before I got saved, I was dragged to church. And I'm, I'm almost literally, some days it was almost just, my grandfather would tell me to get up. And uh, I was usually stoned the night before. And he would say, get up. And he'd go, don't make me get you out of bed. He was a boat captain. He had hands like vices. And so I was in great fear and trepidation, so I got up. But I would go, and I would usually do something so I could catch a little buzz before I went. And during that time, it made the sermons better. Don't do that. And, um, and I would sit in the very back row of this little Baptist church and just usually fall asleep unless Roy sat by me, the guy that eventually led me to Christ, and he would ask me questions in the middle of it. What did you think about that? Shut up. <laughs> but something changed that night on Easter Sunday night, 1975, when I gave my heart to Christ. Something changed. I couldn't wait to get to church because God did something. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. This is the second part to what we looked at last week about love for the church. Look at chapter 10 of Hebrews, start in verse 19. Now we're going to take these apart as we go through it. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, here's a little background, because I don't want to just kind of take this, pull it out. We want to look at the background. And this is just a three-second synopsis. The writer has just finished a very thorough examination of the Jewish and Christian faiths, or systems as some would call it. He compared the two founders, Moses and Jesus Christ. He showed that Jesus Christ was superior to Moses because he's talking to Hebrew people. He compared the sacrificial systems and the priesthood of both and found that Christ's sacrifice and priesthood was superior to the Hebrew system. Because in that, he said, you know, it 
could only take away. They had to do it every year, once a year. But Christ did it once and for all. Now, let's look at something real quick. Look at verse 19 again. He says, therefore, brethren. Now, what are we talking about? Who is he talking to? He's talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. He says, therefore, brethren. Meaning what? This denotes a fellowship of love and life based on identity of origin. That's what brethren means. A tribe, a countryman, a family. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. And knowing that this letter would probably get read in the, in the little congregations, the home churches all over, he's calling brethren. Listen, he's saying brethren, therefore brethren. All of what I just said, all about Christ, all about him being our high priest, the high priest of the Jewish system, and on and on and on, he said this, he goes, Christ is superior. And because of that, he lays this next part out. He says, therefore, brethren. Now, here's our premise that we're going to look at. Gathering as a church makes one's love and commitment to Christ and his church visible. Hang on to that. Here we go. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus. The word confidence tells us this. It means to have boldness of speech or freedom where one speaks all that he's thinking. With what? With an understanding that it's okay. You're accepted. You're loved. And here's the picture. Look at it again. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Christ or blood of Jesus, He's laying out this picture, which he's been doing all through the book of Hebrews, and many times using the tabernacle or the temple as a picture of what's going on. And he's saying, what entered the holy place by the blood of Jesus? The picture is, the thick, there was a thick veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And I'm going to read this. I could tell you, but I'd rather read it. It was a barrier between the people and God. Now, catch that. In the holy place, it was divided into two sections. And there was a very thick veil. It was probably about that thick. And it separated God from the people. Or the presence of God from the people. And only the priest could enter in there once a year. And he had to be right and he had to be perfect. You've heard many times that, in fact, one of the things about the priest's robe, they had like carved pomegranates that were at the bottom of his robe. And it was a pomegranate, a bell, a pomegranate, a bell, a pomegranate, a bell, all the way around the robe. Why? Well, you can hear him walking in because the pomegranates would smack against the bells. And every time he moved, you could know it. You could hear it. And many have said that they would tie a rope on his, his ankle so that in case God did not accept the sacrifice, which is in Hebrews also, if he didn't accept the sacrifice, he would strike the high priest dead. And so they couldn't go in there, so how are they going to get him out? they got to pull him out. And I always said, if they didn't hear any ringing, it was over. You get it? But what happened? When Christ died, what was torn in the temple? The veil. Because Christ's sacrifice was the perfect sacrifice once and for all. And it brought together God and his creation, man. 
There was no separation anymore if you accepted Christ and his sacrifice. So, only the death of Christ could tear the veil, Mark chapter 15, verse 38, and open the way into the heavenly sanctuary where God dwells. Warren Wiersbe said that. I loved it. I'm going to read that again. Only the death of Christ could, bear, could tear the veil and open the way into the heavenly sanctuary where God dwells. Now, look at it again. Look at verse 19. Actually, verse 20. It's 19 and 20. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us, through the veil, that is his flesh. Now, the church, when we gather, because we gather, because of Christ, we have confidence to gather. And there's a second way. We have a road that we're supposed to gather on, which is what? Let's read 20 one more time. By a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. Now, the entrance into the most holy place was forbidden for all but the high priest, but now the access to the real holy of holies which is that fellowship of God, was granted to all who would come because Jesus Christ made the way. Turn with me to chapter 9, verse 11 of Hebrews. Am I making sense? you tracking with me? Okay. Look at verse, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he enters through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer sprinkled those who have been defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We couldn't reach him. And all of our works before Christ were not good enough. We know that. And because of Christ, he opened the way. So this is the foundation of our gathering. We can gather, and we can gather with confidence, and we can assemble with confidence. We can walk daily with confidence because of the blood of Christ. That's there's nothing greater than knowing you're forgiven and you can have fellowship with God. That's what changed for me the day I got saved. And I wanted to go to church because I was excited about it. God changed my life. I could talk to him without this incredible, overwhelming guilt and fear. And I wasn't even angry at him anymore. Let's go on. You know in Acts chapter 9, don't turn to it, in verse 2, does anybody just off the top of your head remember what the Christians were called? Or Christianity was called? The way. Wait a minute. What does 20 say? By a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Because of what he did on the cross, he was torn. The veil was torn. We have access. We have a way in which is Christ to come to the Father. One way. That's what we used to say, the hippies. We used to say one way. Let's go on. Look at verse 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Now stop there. Let's read 19 through 21. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, 
by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Meaning what? It's through Jesus Christ that we have access to fellowship with God and each other. He is the foundation and reason we can gather. It is on the basis of all these assurances that we just read, just these few, that we gather. The church is made up of those in Christ only. we got to remember something. If a person is not a believer, they're not part of the church. But unfortunately, today we have this thing that if you go often enough, you, you sign a card, you're a member of the church. No, you're actually you're a member of an organization, but you're not a member of the church. You're a member of a corporation, but not a member of the church. The beauty of it, membership has its privileges because if you're truly a believer, you're a member of the church. And if you sign a card, you're a member of the corporation, you've got two things going for you. Okay? Membership does have its privileges. Okay? <laughs> Let's go on. Let's go on. So, therefore, we have a great high priest over the house of God, Christ. He's the way. Okay? Or as the Mandalorian says, this is the way. All you millennials, you caught that, didn't you? Okay? All right, let's go on. (laughs) Let us draw near, verse 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Here's the result of gathering. There's three let us, okay, that we will see. Three calls. The first, gathering calls us to draw near to God and each other. When we gather, it's a call to draw near to God. Now, we've drawn drawn near to him in Christ. But if Christ lives in me and he lives in you, what happens when we come together? Where two or three are gathered, as Kelly said, what do we get? Exactly. Exactly. There's an assurance because if I'm a believer... The Bible says that that the Holy Spirit quickens our spirit. We know who's a believer. You can get around somebody and you can know who's a believer by their life, by what's going on, by the Holy Spirit. So when I gather, when we gather, when we come together, we're encouraging one another. And we're gathering because of Christ. Let's look at verse 20 again, or 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The word draw near means this. It represents both the individual as well as a corporate gathering. The writer is talking about individually, we draw near to God through Christ, but also we draw near to each other through Christ. You get the point? Membership has its privileges. Then it says with a sincere heart, meaning what? It's the idea without deception. Remember I said this many times. That during the, uh, during, as we would call biblical times and even after that, when a potter would make a pot out of clay, if for some reason there was a crack in it, if he was a dishonest potter, he would take wax and he would melt the wax and he would rub it on that crack. What it would do was pick up some of the particles from the, uh, from the, the pottery itself and it would cover that crack, but the crack was there. It didn't repair it. So what it was, when they would say, is it sincere, it would mean without wax. Because if you held it up to the sun, 
you could see it would come through the wax and you could see where the crack was. So when we gather together and we come with a sincere heart, a heart that was without wax, a heart that's not, that has truly been repaired for the Lord, it's not fake. And we're that way with each other too. We're going to look at that probably next week. So look what Jesus said. In John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. If you want to turn to it, you can. I'll read it. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, it's interesting. Being a vineyard, we're considered charismatic, right? But we will not be charismaniacs. Meaning what? I've heard this used and misused so many times. Because we got to worship God in spirit and in truth. But we'd always, well, not we, I never, don't think I ever did it. But many would add, worship the Lord in the spirit and in truth. That's not what it says. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. What did we just read a minute ago? Coming with sincere hearts, right? It's interesting because what spirit and truth really mean is this, with a sincere mind and a pure or true heart before God. That's what it's talking about. Why? Look at verse 22 again. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. What is God, what did we just read? What does God cleanse? Yes. And then what does it say? And our bodies washed with pure water. It's taking, we're, we're supposed to love God with our heart, soul, body, mind, and strength, right? All of ourselves. That's what this is talking about. We come in in pure honesty before the Lord. Our hearts sprinkled, our conscience sprinkled clean by the blood of Christ, clean by salvation, clean because of confession, and then our lives walking properly before him. It's very simple. What is true worship? My heart is right with God, and I'm walking in obedience to him. It's worship. But what do we do in the charismatic world is, oh, we got to get wild. we got to get crazy. we got to do all the No, that's fine. You want, you want to dance before the Lord? i got no problem with that. You want to pray out loud? i got no problem with that. That's fine. You want to use the gifts? i got no problem with that. But that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about how we come before God. Our worship is our life, our life on our daily basis, not anything else. It's not music. It's this. When this can translate into music, praise God. But music isn't worship. It's only a vehicle. This is the worship. This is the worship. My heart, my mind, my spirit is clean in Christ. My body, myself, is walking before him in obedience as much as I possibly can every single day. And when I don't, he's given us the grace. If we confess our sins, we're faith, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us. That's what he's talking about. It's not a ritual. It's not a rote things that we do. That's what he was trying to tell the, the, the um, woman at the well. He's saying, you can do all the rituals you want. You can do all this stuff, but it's not going to bring you close to the Father. It's the heart. 
It's the life. It's me. He's saying it's me. Christ. When we gather, it's not a ritual. It's because we know that God lives and abides in us. We know that God saved us. We know that God loves us. I know that God loves you. I know that God loves you. And I know that you're believers. And I want to be around you. I want the encouragement. I want what you have. That God is allowed. I want to use the gifts. I want to speak into people's lives. I want my life to be spoken into. I want to worship together with you. That's what it's about. That was all free. It wasn't in the notes. He says, and come with full assurance. This is cool. This is cool. Full assurance. The full assurance of faith means unwavering confidence. It means a fullness of faith in God which leaves no room for doubt. Read that 22 again. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. That means no doubt. There's no room for doubt. There's, a, there's an unwavering confidence in my life because of what God did. So when I gather, when I come, or when I walk daily during, through my life, I have this confidence that only God can give that I belong to him. And when I come, I have this confidence that, hey, that's what I loved. I don't, I don't see it much anymore. And I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. But I remember all of us hippies, when we got saved, when we got around each other, it was just, we really did most of the time have stupid grins on our face. Because it was just, man, God changed my life, man. I'm not doing drugs no more. <laughs> you know, and it really was. In many ways, I haven't lost it. I just got old, and it, my face doesn't work like it used to. Okay? But, but it's, it, that's what we're supposed to have. There is a joy. That doesn't mean you walk around with a stupid grin on your face, but most of the time, we did. Because God changed our lives, and when we got together, we wanted to tell one another what God did just through the week. Because we, our eyes were so open, we could see him doing stuff during the week. But nowadays, we've gotten so busy, and we got the stupid phones that we're on that one. And I know I catch myself. i got to go put it down, be released in Jesus' name. You know? And we got all this other stuff that takes our minds off of the fact of what God has done during the day. We, we depend on everybody else to tell us what God did in their life on Facebook. But think about it. Imagine coming here on a Sunday morning and saying, man, you know, Kelly, you know what God did with, for me this week? I was, I, was, I was just out there, and I was at the store. I got to pray with a lady. Just God led me, and we were praying, and she, and she got ministry. It was so cool. Imagine doing that. But we want to get up here and give a testimony. Give a testimony when you see somebody in the lobby. Just grab them by the back of their neck and go, let me tell you what God did. Don't do it violently. But see, that's why do we gather? Because I have confidence that God is in my life, and I want to share that confidence with you. I want to spur you on. That's the way Texas says, spur you on to good works. Now let's go on. That's all free. I got to get back on the notes. Here we go. Gathering calls. Here's another thing. Look at look at verse 23. Look at verse 23. 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let's look at this real quick. Gathering calls us to hold fast our faith in Christ. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Hold fast is this. Here's a great word. With all the political stuff that's going on today, you know what hold fast means? It means hold on. But you know what else it means? It means occupy. I don't want to occupy Wall Street. I don't want to occupy Washington, D.C. I want to occupy right here my faith and what God is doing in my life. It means hold fast, occupy. It's, it's, I'm not Calvinist, but it's the fifth point of Calvinism. It's called perseverance of the saints. That's what that means. Hold fast. Stand your ground as a believer. Don't give in. Don't go back. The Jewish believers were suffering persecution. You can look at Hebrews chapter 12 and see that in several parts in the book of Hebrews. They're suffering persecution. The danger is that they would apostatize and fall away, fall back into the Hebrew faith and not move forward in Christianity, which is the fulfillment of the Hebrew faith. But they would go back to the rituals. They would go back and they would renounce Christ. They were, the, the, the author was just, he, he wanted to encourage them. The persecutions came from the devout Jews and the devout Jews are calling them to return to Judaism. And the writer, whoever it may be, is saying this, hold your ground, stand your ground, stand strong, stand firm in the faith. Don't go back. Let me show you something also. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. I gotta turn to it myself. First Timothy chapter six, verse twelve. Look what he says to Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good what? Confession in the presence of many witnesses. You know what also confession means? It means agreement. Since we like business stuff, do you know you made an agreement with Christ? I receive you, and I give my life to you. You made an agreement. And he's saying you stood before the congregation and said, I'm a believer. Remember I told you many times you read the Didache, which was written in about the second century? And one of the things that they would do, I told you, I think it was last week, that when someone became a believer, they would, have, they would take them and they would give them to a, a strong, very seasoned believer. And for approximately a year, they would be discipled by that believer. And they couldn't take the Lord's Supper. They couldn't have baptism until that discipler said that they were really a believer. Their life had proven it. They, they, they vetted them. And then they would take them and they would stand them before the congregation in the house that they met in and they would say, they're a believer. And then they were allowed to come to the second part of the service, which was what? Communion and baptism. This is real. This is not a joke. This is not a social thing in the sense of what we, we would think. That's not being mean. In some ways, I'm, we wouldn't do it here, but in some ways... I can see why they did it. 
maybe we do need, the church worldwide needs to do that once again. But I know we won't. It's interesting. You know, another confession of faith was in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Who do you say that I am? And what did Peter say? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, upon this rock. What was that? It was upon that confession. Upon that confession, I will build my church. So all that to say what? Look at verse 23 one more time. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. God who had promised eternal life to them was faithful to all that he had promised and said. So gathering calls us to hold fast in our faith. Gathering also calls us to encourage one another daily. Look at verse 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Here's another aspect of gathering. So when we gather, when I got saved and I got involved in the, in the church, Roy took me under his wings and I was with him all the time. We were together all the time just about. If we weren't working, we were together. And we were riding around in his blue Volkswagen. It was a real Volkswagen, blue one. We called it the Blue Goose. And we had a blast. But he was, we were most of the time talking about Jesus. And he took me under his wings, and he discipled me in many ways, along with my youth pastor. But the thing is, is that when I would come together, and I'm only using my story because I don't know yours, so forgive me. But when we would come together, I would always... It was encouraging to get with the youth group, to get with the young adults, to get with the church. I used to go and sit in the, in the sanctuary, and I know better, but just understand this is a very young believer. Because you know why? It made me feel good. It made me feel very close to God when I sat in the sanctuary. And I would bring my guitar in there, and I would play, and I would sing to him. Why? And then on Sunday mornings, I couldn't wait to get there. I usually got there and helped... You know, Brother McNair, one of the pastors, opened up the, the whole church just because I wanted to be there. And I couldn't wait for the people to come. Why? Because it encouraged me to hold fast in my faith. It encouraged me to walk daily. And it encouraged me to receive encouragement and to give encouragement. The word encouragement means this. It means to incite each other. Incite them on to what? To love and good deeds means incite to love one another in words and in deeds. Incite to, to walk before God holy. Incite to minister to one another. Gathering as the church gives one encouragement to hold fast in the faith and walk in love, in the love of Christ for his church. Do you know how Christ shows his love to the church? Through us. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. Let's go to verse 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Assembling together. The church should be encouraging one another to gather. If you know somebody's not here, there's nothing wrong with calling them and saying, hey, Bradley, why don't you go to church with me today? Didn't see you last week. You okay? Yeah, I'm all right. Why don't you go to church with me? I'll come get you. Oh, no, you got a faster car. You come get me. <laughs> or if you haven't seen somebody in a couple weeks. But what do we do? We expect a staff and pastor to do that. 
Survey says, eh, wrong answer. It's your job. It's our job to check on people. It's our job to invite. It's our job to go out. How did God add to the church daily in, the, in the Acts chapter 2? By the people sharing their faith. And he would add to the church daily by drawing people to himself. It's easy. But it's the hardest thing we'll ever do because we get wrapped up in our own lives. He says what? Do not neglect gathering. Let's look at it again. <clears throat> not forsaking our own assembling together. Forsaking means to do this. It means to purposely, now listen to this. Forsaking means to purposely leave behind, to desert, to abandon. What was he talking about? He's talking about those that were being pulled by the Jews to come back to Judaism. Come back to the old life. Do you not think that we do that? What pulls us? The world. What pulls us? Everything in the world. What pulls up our phones, the internet, all this kind of stuff, the news, where our nation is, is pulling the people out of church and creating something that's not God. So what is our job as believers? To encourage one another to not forsake. You need to be here on Sunday. You need to be a part of what's going on. You need to be at young adults. You need to be at the Bible study on Wednesday. You need to be at youth. You need to be at the prayer meeting. You need, come on, if you can make it, be there. Because if not, what happens? Deception is what they call the slow fade to gray. You don't even know what's happening. Because if you're deceived, how do you know? You got that, didn't you? Because <laughs> what do you say? You say, don't do this. But if you walk into somebody and go, I really think you're deceived. No, I'm not. Prove that you are. Okay. Because you don't know until what? Truth comes. Let's go on. It had nothing to do with this. So assembling. Don't forsake. Don't purposely leave behind assembling together. Assembling together, it does not merely mean to, to assemble corporately in worship, but it also means this. It means to assemble if you can that way, if you can't, still keep your faith. But more than that, it means to have the conduct of assembling. It means to continuously do it, to not not do it. We're supposed to assemble together. It's only used twice in Scripture, which was really interesting when I found this. It's only used twice. It's used here, and it's used in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, where it talks about Christ gathering his people unto himself. Many will call that the rapture. So there's two ways to assemble. Here and when he calls us home. I'm in. Because what do we just do with the Lord's Supper? Remember until he comes. Interesting, huh? It says, <clears throat> not forsaking the assembly together as a habit of some are. Not being a member of a local church body is to do what? Believe it or not, in the early faith in historical Christianity, if you were not a part of a local body, it was considered being apostate because it was that important. But what have we done today? This. Not being a part of a local church, which, I mean, before I read this, I hear it so often, I don't need the local church or the local church has hurt me. Great. Do you have a family? Has anybody ever hurt you in your family? Yeah, doesn't make it right. 
but we're imperfect. But I don't, I, I don't need church. I, I, I can go here and I can, I can pray and I, can, I, have a, I have a relationship with God. Or I have, I've told you, I've had people tell me, God's told me not to go to church. What Bible are you reading? By not going to church, what's happened in, in our society is we've created this hybrid faith that I don't need church, I don't need gathering, I can do it online. I'm sorry, this, I'm sorry, this is great if you can't because you're sick or something like that, that's fine. But doing church just through this is not church. I'm sorry. And if I have to get people mad at me on that, I'm okay with that. It won't be the first time. This is not church. Watching it every Sunday is not church. You don't get what church is supposed to mean, which means I need you, we just read, to encourage me. I need you, I need to see your face. You need to see my face. There's an accountability in church that only comes when it's face to face. That's it. I'm sorry. If you think you can find it another way, come and talk with me. In great love, I would love to prove you wrong. Because it, you can't do it. I got so mad at church as a pastor. I got so mad at it. I couldn't stand it. I had enough. I took my Bible. It wasn't this. And I told you, I threw it against the wall. And it, forgive me. I said, to hell with this. My wife can be, is a witness. I said, I, I'm done. And for months, I didn't go back. I got out of the ministry. I had my own little, little uh, mowing. I called it a mowing ministry. It was a lawn service down in South Florida. And that's, and that's all I did. It wouldn't go. I got so tired of Christians. They can suck eggs for all I care. I'm not being vulgar. That's not what that means. And I got mad. And it was taking my life and moving me from a joyous believer to a grumpy, angry millennial. I was in my 20s. And I, I had enough of ministry. I had enough of church. I had enough of Christians. I just didn't want to be around. And it was, it was, it was making me very angry. My wife, we didn't have kids then. We just had a dog named Jerusalem. It really was. It was a big black chow. He was great. And, um, and she goes, I got to go to Publix. One day, it was on a Saturday. She goes, I got to go to Publix, and I got to run a couple errands. And I said, okay, great. And she goes, I want to tell you something. Now, this is the way that a pastor's wife handles things. She goes, I'm tired of the way you're acting. I don't like it. And I'm telling you one thing. And she got up with her little five foot two and a half little finger, and she stuck it in my face about right here, and she goes, get right with God before I come home. And I went, what are you saying? She goes, exactly that. She goes, because I'm not coming back to this. She goes, and if I got to pray for you, you're really in trouble. She goes, get right with God. Even Jerusalem went in the other room. He was scared of her. So she left, and I got in my little room. We had a little two-bedroom condominium. And I got in the room, 
And I started to yell at God. I started yelling at him. And within about 45 minutes, I was on the floor, curled up in a fetal position, crying my eyes out because God met me. And he began to pull all that stuff out. He's that real. He's that real. Because I could put on the facade, boy. Most Christians know how to do that. Put on that face. Hey, how you doing? God bless you. Praise God. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. And when Denise came back, she can tell you, I was still on the floor crying. And I asked God to forgive me, and I asked Denise to forgive me. I even asked Jerusalem to forgive me. And God began to move me back into ministry. And when I got back to a church, it was glorious again. We are to be in the habit of meeting, not in the habit of not meeting. And it says, let's look at verse 25 one more time. And I'm going to wrap it up, I promise. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Encouraging one another. You know what this means? This is really neat. Bradley, I know you, I always use you because you sit up front. As a believer, I'm supposed to encourage Bradley. Now, many times encouragement means, you know, we think it means like, hey, buddy, good to see you. God bless you. If you need anything, you come see me. Encouraging in this word is really, really wild. It means this. Give me a hand. Lock it this way. It means to encourage with a strong, strong words, strong pull. Huh? I mean, get him right beard to beard. Okay? Thank you, buddy. It's, it's that, it's, it doesn't mean anger. It doesn't mean, it means I, I love you enough where I'm going to keep encouraging you because I want you to encourage me this way. Courage with strong words, strong with strength. It means it, it even comes out like a strong force, like pulling somebody towards you. This is not a mamby-pamby thing. This is what believers are supposed to do. We don't do it anymore because we use these things. I do it. I put Oswald Chambers up probably every other day because I read. I've been reading it for almost 50 years. But that's not what this is. This is face-to-face encouraging one another. We've got to go back to what it used to be if we want to see things change. Gathering as a church. Well, let me back up. Hebrews 13, or 3.13 says this. But encourage one another day after day as long as it is called today so that, look what it says, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What was he saying? Not to move in unbelief. You want to go and watch your Christian faith wane? Get away from the church. Gathering as a church is to be a habit of each believer, making one's love and commitment to Christ and his church visible. Look at the last part of 25. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Saints, Christ is coming. We're supposed to encourage one another with these words. We used to do it all the time in the Jesus movement. Hey, he's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming for us. He's coming back. 
wasn't escapism because we didn't mind living there because it was more time to share Christ with people. But he's coming back. Let me tell you something. He's coming back. And if you don't know him, you will not go. And I don't want to be here at all because it's going to get harder. He's coming back. I need to encourage you in your faith. I need you to encourage you to stay strong. I need to encourage you to go and share Christ. I need to encourage you to, to walk in the faith. I need to encourage you need to encourage me to do the same because without you, I get no encouragement. You know, pastors need encouragement. And that's not a whiny pastors, we get so beautiful. Just need encouragement every once in a while. Hey, stay strong. Thanks, man. Praying for you. Thank you. Praying for you too. It's easy to do. And it's always a blessing. So what do we get? We come down to this. Last thing. Gathering as a church. Look at this. Gathering as a church builds up and strengthens the faith of all as we hold fast and patiently wait for our Lord's return. Gathering fixes our eyes on Christ. That's why we do church. When I look at Tony, I see Jesus. And may he see Jesus in me and see Jesus in Jens and Marissa. And we're supposed to encourage one another. So why do we do Why do we do church? One thing, to encourage one another to stay strong and keep going forward with Christ. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. And he's coming back again. You ready? Just stand and pray. Just for a moment, right where you're at, just pray. Seek the Lord. we got a couple of minutes. Just for a moment. I know I was preaching to the choir this morning because you all are here. But I'm going to ask you, let's do something different. We usually are looking for ministry in the sense of, you know, God do something in my heart. Well, here's something God can do in our hearts. Ask him to put someone in your heart, in your mind, that needs encouragement to be a part of a local body somewhere. Or needs Christ that you need to share Christ with. Ask him. And then as he places that person in your heart and mind, right now, pray for him. You want to come up front and kneel and pray and take that step of faith that way? Then do that. Who, need, who in your life, who do you know that needs Christ or needs to come back to church? Maybe not to here, maybe to another place. It doesn't matter. Who? If you're here and you don't know Christ this morning, please, before you leave, come and see me. I'd love to tell you about him and more about what he did in my life and what he can do in yours. The Bible says God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for our sin. He said if we confess with our 
mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. He said if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from unrighteousness. The Bible says that for all have sinned and they've fallen short of the glory of God. They've been separated. We've been separated. But Christ came to do what? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we've been talking about this morning. That's what you have as a believer to give to somebody. And if you don't know Christ, repent of your sin and give him your heart today. We're going to worship with a song to close. And if you want to come and pray, come and pray. There's no prayer team this morning. And then we'll be dismissed. Let's worship. Father, thank you. Thank you for the church. Thank you that, Lord, at Pentecost, you birthed a wonderful thing. Thank you that, Lord, you call the church your bride. It's part of your body. You are the head of it, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, that it will be a greater excitement after today to gather and a, and a greater desire to gather. And any that may watch this online will want to gather. They say, man, I need to get back to church. I need to get back to gathering. Because we are the church. It's not a building. It's, Lord, you made it known that it's your people. And we need one another. So, Lord, instill in our hearts the beauty of your church again. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.